0: Hello and welcome to Inside the Therapy Room. I'm your host, Sam Sellers. I am a registered therapist, a wife and a fur mama, and I am passionate about breaking down the barriers and stigma attached to therapy. I wanna begin by honoring the traditional custodians of the land we live and work on. Today, Steph is in Murramurang country and Sam is on Gundungurra land. We pay our respects to the elders past, present and emerging for they hold the memories, the traditions and cultures of our First Nations people. We must always remember that the land below our feet is, was and always will be Aboriginal land. Today we're chatting to Steph Maris, who is a trauma-informed counsellor from Arena Counselling in Canberra, Australia. Steph encourages her clients to be curious about their internal world and to heal the parts of themselves that hold their emotional wounds. She has a wealth of study behind her and both personal and professional experience that informs her practice greatly. Steph has a special interest in working with complex trauma as well as teens and young adults. Tune in to hear her share about working with the approach Internal Family Systems, or IFS, talking about why IFS is so powerful and how it values our human uniqueness the impact IFS has had on her own personal therapy journey, what it's like inside her therapy room, and what myth she would love to smash. We hope you enjoy joining us inside the therapy room. Welcome, Steph. Thanks for being here.
1: Thank you so much for inviting me to join you.
0: I'm really excited about this episode because it's an area that I will admit I know very a a little about not Mm -hmm. enough it's certainly not an area that I know a lot about but I know that it is it can be very powerful so I'm excited to um (laughs) I'm excited to chat about this so tell us what what are you here to chat about
1: okay well you have asked me to have a chat with you about internal family systems or what is commonly known as um IFS yeah. Um, so do you want me to give you a bit of a spiel at this point about I what IFF is? I
0: Yeah, amazing.
1: Internal family systems, the name sort of suggests that it's like based on... Families. And so a lot of people believe that it is family therapy. It sort of grew out of the principles of family therapy, but it's taken inside. So it's a concept that we all have a multiple mind. So, not dissociative identity disorder or what has been known as multiple personality disorder, although this IFS can be used with DID. It is generally that we have multiplicity of the mind that we have an inherent and pure self that is undamaged, which is the core of who we are. And then we have various parts of our our self, which are still us, but they, they are, you could refer to them as like aspects of our personality. And they take on different roles in our system. Some will be parts that, will take on the wound, like an emotional wound, if we're harmed in some way, whether that be some kind of like big T trauma, like a car accident or something like that, or the other types of trauma. So more your relational trauma, that sort of thing. So they take on the emotional wounds across our lifetime. And then the other parts in the system take on a protective role in order that we don't feel the pain of those wounds. So they may be commonly known as defense strategies or defensive behaviors. They then take on two forms. So our protectors will either be reactive or they'll be proactive. So proactive ones are like your high functioning anxiety types, the ones that are, you know, clipboard manager types, like I've 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 got my shit together, I'm doing my thing, nothing to see here, everything's great. And the other types are like your, you know, things like your, your reactive ones are more like your addictive behaviors. So the ones that might get involved in drugs or, you know, even going to the gym too much or managing what you eat. So eating disorders, IFS can be incredibly beneficial to work with eating disorders. It's incredible across the board. And what I really love about it is that it actually overlays a lot of other therapeutic techniques as well. So it's not a simple modality, strict, you use IFS and everything else is useless. It is very much complementary with other modalities that exist and has been used in, in various ways in an integrative way across, you know, across various different human conditions and, and and issues. So the I guess the best sort of example of what I'm talking about is the movie in- Inside Out, the kids' movie. I was, um, I was
0: about to say when I first heard of I- IFS and I first read about it, I instantly had that imagery of the movie Inside Out in my head And Mm I often do that sort of notion of let's personify emotion or personify Mm. personify things like that with my clients. And so I remember when I first read about IFS, it was my first thought was inside out. I was like, it's a perfect depiction of that sort of characterization internally almost.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't actually informed by IFS when it was created, but when it sort of came out, the IFS community were like, yes, this is awesome because it is so spot on in many ways, particularly around the way our hearts will be reflective of certain emotional states like joy or fear or discussed that kind of thing. But our parts are more than just our emotions. They are multi and complex. And it's it's such fascinating work to do to really sort of explore and understand parts. And I am incredibly passionate about it, mostly because my own therapy is internal family systems. The therapy I do personally, and it has been incredibly beneficial and healing for me. You know, I, I say this to people often, it really helps you have a deeper understanding of yourself, the way you engage with the world, the way that you react to the world, your triggers. Yeah, it really provides that deep insight. But more importantly, the thing that I love about it is that it's non-pathologizing. The phrase widely used, all parts are welcome. And the founder Dick Schwartz has actually written a book called No Bad Parts. And the the general premise there is that all behavior or the behavior of different parts is well intended, even if it's, you know, maybe not socially acceptable. The intent is either to protect or there's a wound that's been activated. And so if there is behavior that's You know, not appropriate or not liked, or there's, you know, we all have a shadow side. We all have aspects to ourselves that we don't like. When you can actually be curious about that and show yourself compassion for, you know, why these parts exist in your system, it is, you know, and this is so cliche to say, but it absolutely is a game changer when you do actually, yeah, show yourself that compassion and can be with those difficult parts. It's it's incredible.
0: I find that the most transformative moment for somebody is when we can move from the idea of fixing to understanding. And I think Mm -hmm. that... Just changes it, it changes the game. It like it literally just changes the direction that you are going to go in because suddenly you are not broken. You are not something, you're not a computer that needs to be fixed or rebooted mm-hmm. or have a new hard drive. Everything is there for a purpose and a reason. Let's understand mm-hmm. it. And let's hold it differently. I I think that that's probably one of the yeah the most transformative moments for people is when that change can happen from their own perspective. It's you know it's yeah absolutely nothing. It's nothing fancy about that. It's just a, a change in mindset almost.
1: A hundred percent. And you know, I, I don't know about you, but there's been, I can't count the number of clients who, new clients who've sat down in my room and when we've sort of had that initial conversation, you know, yeah. checking in with the goals that they want to achieve in therapy without a doubt. It's like, I, I need strategies to cope. I need, I need this fixed. Yeah. I need to be yeah. different. It's like, no, you're actually pretty awesome as you are yeah. and what is going on for you right now and the way that you're reacting, even the behaviour you don't like, is valid and has a place here and, like you said, we just need to understand it.
0: I am going to throw a curveball at you. Okay. And I I don't know whether you are actually going to have an answer for this, so if you don't, that's okay. Mm -hmm. Um, But obviously my area is with religious trauma, so I'm Mm -hmm. thinking about how it can connect or disconnect with people in that You know, the heart of IFS is that your inherent sense of self is just as, you know, as good and perfect as it is Mm -hmm. Um, and how someone works with somebody who perhaps has the worldview of a Christian faith, for instance, Mm -hmm. where... Mm -hmm parent self is fallen and sinful and and needs to be fixed and saved and, and all of that sort of doctrine side of it and how those two things work because it's, mm. it's a little bit of a curveball.
1: It's okay. <laughs> um, it's but, okay.
0: You know, I think it's, you know, there is a, a really big population of people who have that core belief and that understanding that who they are at its mm is is something that does need to be fixed and something that does need to be saved and redeemed. So, mm. yeah, I'm wondering whether you've seen how that can sort of work or blend or not blend.
1: Look, I, I wouldn't say that I've got direct experience with yeah. it. What I can say is that IFS evolved in the United States a heavily religious country, particularly Christian. And so there are a number of practitioners with that spiritual overlay. Reading through Mick Schwartz's book, and it's been a long time since I've read it, he has a particular section on it where he sort of does look at the different spiritual aspects of people's lives. And, you know, speaking from a Christian point of view, I was raised Catholic. So my point of reference is, you know, the God, His Son, and the Holy Spirit. And my understanding is that that the emphasis is very much on the Holy Spirit, that the the self could be seen as an embodiment of the Holy Spirit. And that's... That's sort of how it can be brought into session. A couple of years ago, it may have been last year, I've totally lost track of the last few years. I did actually sit in on a webinar with, with Dick Schwartz um, and, a, and an Australian lady called Stephanie Mitchell. Who's, she's a Level 3 trained practitioner. And it was around IFS and spirituality. And it was an incredible presentation. And it was very enlightening, very much touching on you know, how IFS works in this space. One of the things that's really interesting is the concept of spiritual bypass, and I know that that's not IFS specific. is definitely sort of out there in the in the broader world, and that is this idea that we use religion or we use things like meditation or mindfulness or you know specific spiritual practices to avoid actually getting to. The meaty part of the problem and that is you know that there's a wound there and that wound needs to be healed and so those those practices are sort of seen in the ifs lens they're seen as what's referred to as a manager part so one of these defensive protective parts this manager comes in and it's like i know how to fix this let's do some yoga or let's do some meditation or let's sit in deep prayer and and that will make us you know that that has incredible grounding benefits but it doesn't heal the wound. And and that's where IFS is different. It does avoid spiritual bypass. In fact, we're looking for protectors, those manager parts that will try and interfere and get in the way of us being able to find that exiled wound in the system to be able to work with it and heal it. Does that make sense?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And and I guess- In the back of my head, I'm sort of going like before you even mentioned it, I was like, you know, spiritual bypassing is such a huge part of religious trauma and and that pain Mm. that is there. And it is it is a go to mechanism that is used in the church. And so I was sort of in the back of my head going, you know, this definitely is applied in that area. And so, Mm. yeah, I love that. Mentioned that you were drawn to IFS because it's something that's been powerful for you personally. Mm -hmm. What about professionally in terms Mm. of what drew you towards IFS?
1: Look, I think it just made sense to me so I was still completing the latter half of my master's when when I opened my private practice and I took a long time to finish that master's it was yeah painstaking process but I actually had to write an essay for my trauma unit and we had a case study that we needed to address and so from memory it's been a long time since I read the essay that I wrote but the the case study was an indigenous youth and and we had to draw on two particular modalities in order to sort of put together a treatment plan to work with this this particular case study in response to it, and the two that I chose were narrative therapy and and IFS because they really made sense to me in terms of working with the principles of indigenous therapy and what have you. And that's that's an area that I I really value. I don't know enough about, so I, I you know I don't want to claim to be an expert by any means. But certainly that writing that essay, yeah, it was just eye opening for me terms of how that would work, how IFS would work in that particular case. And the more I read about it, the more I really sort of thought it made sense in so many ways. And then I did an introductory course, oh my God, literally moments before COVID hit. I was in Sydney in early March 2020 and uh, did an introductory course with Stephanie Mitchell, who I mentioned earlier. And then we, you know, we were both heading back to our respective cities, went to the airport together, chatted on the way out there. And so, you know, really got to get some really deep understanding or further depth and what her initial training offered, Maintained contact with her. She was incredibly supportive over the time I completed my master's, you know, um, on one one occasion, she let me call her and pick her brain for another essay that I had to write. And she really helped me with preparing for that case study. And just from there, you know, it really grew. And then she invited me to actually start doing my own therapy with an IFS therapist. And yeah, far out. It was pretty incredible from the very
0: beginning. I love when stuff meshes personally and professionally and it sort of Mm. clicks. One of the things that has, you know, been a common thread in all of these chats that I've been having is that these niches that people fall into, it tends to happen Mm. quite organically and it's not just Mm. from a professional point of view. There tends to be a personal nature that is alongside
1: of it. That Um, makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Already
0: sort of alluded to a couple in terms of, you know, eating disorders, things like that. Who is going to benefit from this type of therapy?
1: I think the question is who isn't going to. If I'm honest, I know that sounds grandiose. But I I really do think it cuts across, you know, because we all have parts. That's the the whole premise of this model, you know, like even, you know, even decision making. Oh, there's a part of me that wants to do this and there's a part of me that wants to do that. I'm not sure what my, where I'm going to go. It really is effective in so many ways. So I can work with someone on an incredibly deep level, sort of really going into that deep un- unconscious mind in many ways, or I could just be sitting and having a chat with someone and, you know, they'd be talking through the problem and I'll be like, oh, I'm hearing a part of you is is maybe doing this and another part of you is thinking something altogether different and maybe they're in conflict with each other and they'll be like, yes, yes, that's exactly what's going on. So it, it really is, I think, something that can benefit everyone. I do think, though, with the more complex mental health conditions, yes, it can be used, but there are incredibly well-trained professionals who work in that space with this model. I don't think it's something where, you know, a level one practitioner like myself can just pick up and go, oh, yeah, I can work with this. And I think we were sort of talking offline about this earlier. It's definitely an area of, of therapeutic work that requires specific training, even though the concepts are you know pretty palatable across yeah. you know all landscapes the actual techniques and the work require specific training yeah
0: and i think there's probably you know there's a few different modalities that would fall into that category of needing that very specific training mm-hmm. and all mm. of all of them do sort of in entail aspects that we that a lot a lot of therapists would use in their sessions you know i <laughs> like i said we'll use that sort of approach of personifying things and and i obviously don't know a lot about ifs i've certainly not trained in it and yet there are still aspects of different modalities that are being taken into the room but i think you're right there te- there are certain modalities and approaches that do need that very specific training, particularly if you are going to advertise or market that that is an approach that you use, you want to be able to sort of back that up with really sound knowledge as well. Yeah. And look on
1: that, the IFS Institute is very particular about how people brand themselves. So I can refer to myself as an IFS practitioner because I'm level one trained. Anyone who sort of, you know, that initial training that I did, I was able to call myself... IFS informed, and that's a real, real distinction. And then, you know, people couldn't go, I'm still undecided about this myself. People can go into a certification process where, so there's the three levels. So I'm level one trained, there's level two and level three. I am hopeful at some point in the near future I'll get onto level two training, but it's so popular oh, now that yeah. it's it's so impossible to get into the the training. But yeah, so beyond the the level threes, there's this certification. So there's a real legitimate framework for governance around around use and, and application of it. Yeah. Amazing. Mm.
0: Podcast is called Inside the Therapy Room. What is it like for somebody, if they were to go and see an IFS practitioner, what are they going going to expect, I guess, in comparison to what we see as typical talk therapy?
1: So it really depends. Like the way that I work with, with IFS is still very integrative, as I said. So for the most part, it will look like talk therapy. Other IFS practitioners might be specifically IFS. So, so it might help if I sort of explain the the particular techniques that's used. So, it's referred to as insight. So, essentially, what that means is that what we're aiming to do is get the person to go inside and you know get a sense of themselves and understand their internal system and that you know that varies from person to person some people are very visual some people are very audio some people are very somatic and the, and it does apply very much across the board with all those an insight session looks like a guided meditation okay. so someone will close their eyes they will reflect inward will sort of ground them with sort of a technique like focusing on breath and what have you and then we get to them to focus on any thoughts feelings or physical sensations that are present for them in the moment or if there's a particular issue they want to address or a part that's already been identified then we'll sort of say okay so just pay attention to where you notice that part in or around your body and get them sort of to really sort of settle and go inward and then we sort of it, it is it's not like I'm just talking and they They follow my my voice. It is interactive in the sense that I will guide them and I will seek, you know, clarification or I might ask what's happening for them, what they're observing, and I will follow a process to to help them work with the parts that are showing up. Sometimes, particularly with some parts that show up somatically, so what by somatic I mean, you obviously know, but for the general audience, we're talking about how it shows up in the body. So the physical presentation of of emotional distress. So uh, say, for example, somebody might come in and say, I've I've got this real niggle in my shoulder. I'm really uncomfortable. It's been driving me crazy. And I'll say, well, why don't we just take a moment, focus your attention on your shoulder and where you're feeling that discomfort. And then we'll go from there. And you know, most of the time there's a part attached to it. It's not to say that the part is in the body, but the part uses the body to get to communicate and get your attention and try and draw you into whatever's there that needs needs work or requires that nurturing at that particular time. I would
0: imagine, you know, we've talked, I guess, a little bit about how powerful IFS can be, but I would mm-hmm. imagine that it for a lot of people going inward is not an easy process. That can be deeply painful and deep yep emotional and is probably not going to look like a a one session thing for a lot of people and there I would also be expecting that there could be a deep disconnect from going inward as well if that's not something that they're used to doing or if they've been told that their internal narrative is not Trustworthy, that that mm-hmm. could be incredibly difficult as well, and not an easy process to do.
1: One hundred percent, and. Look, you know, I agree with you. For many people, their internal landscape is too scary to navigate and they will avoid it as, you know, and they'll avoid it in many different ways, overworking, drugs, alcohol, all sorts of stuff, sometimes with violence and aggression. And with IFS, we're primed and ready for that and anticipated in many ways. And we recognise that resistance as a part. So, there's a part that's been defensive that is like, no way, not going there. So, we know that we need to work with that resistance first. So, we will continue to work with that part until that part feels confident that the work we're going to do is not going to be catastrophic for the system. So another fundamental premise with IFS is that we don't go to the wounded part and fix that. You have to go through the layers of defence before you can even get anywhere near that exiled wound, because these defence systems have been set up in in such an intricate and delicate way over many many years. They're not just going to go, oh, okay, we're in therapy. Right, <laughs> I'm just going to, yeah. I'm going to put my put everything down and you know go for a stroll while you you have a chat with that wound over there. 100, percent it's the opposite. You go into <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it is very very much a focus on building trust with the individual, with their system, with their defensive strategies. And that's often why, like in terms of the way that I work with IFS, more often than not, unless someone specifically comes to me and says they want IFS used, I will actually work with them for a number of sessions before we even get anywhere near doing an insight session because they need to have trust in me as the therapist, yeah, that I am you know, not going to harm them when their defences are down. So a lot of the work is very much in that therapeutic relationship. First, you know, using the, the idea of parts and talking about parts and what have you. And then, you know, getting to a point where I might say, sounds like there's a really strong part around this. You know, if it feels right for you, maybe we can go inside and explore what's going on there. And that Even then, some people will be like, no, I'm not ready. I can do insight sessions with people and and they can have great outcomes. And then they'll say, I just need a pause from that for a little while. Can we just talk normally for a while? And I'll be like, sure, let's go with that. I mean, other therapists might go, well, there's part of you that wants to pause. Can we get to know that? But I really respect the system because it is deep work at times. If if they need a break, I'm not going to force that issue. I really want them to sort of know that there's definitely that trust there that I'm going to respect what they're, they're able to do at any point in time. Mm.
0: Yeah. And I, I mean, I tend to work quite intuitively with my clients. And so I always sort of say, you know, our body is, you know, much more knowledgeable and intelligent than we often will give it credit. Mm. And if there is something inside of you that's telling you that we need to slow down or we need to hold off on something, then we want to listen to that because there's probably Mm. a reason for that. And we might not be aware of that reason just yet, but there's a reason because, you know, it wouldn't have come up. And and yes, for some people that might just be an avoidance tactic, an avoidance Mm. strategy, but people are avoiding for a reason. And so... Mm -hmm. You know, it's a little bit like that whole concept of people like attention seeking. Well, they're drawing attention for a reason. They're avoiding for yeah. a reason. And so I, yeah, I, I would agree. I think working in that sort of intuitive sense that, you know, yes, there's probably things to learn out of that, but we don't need to learn them immediately.
1: Yeah. And look, you know, you would notice that avoidance or that avoidant path showing up yeah. repeatedly across sessions and go, yeah. Okay, so I'm really noticing there's an avoidant part here. Yeah. Can we get to know it, please? Let me know. Yeah. what's. Let's see what's going on here. What yeah. are they worried about? Even naming it in that way is often, oh, my God, I think there's a frog outside all of a sudden. <laughs> I don't know if you can hear that. <laughs> oh. It really sounds like a frog. Anyway,
0: people who don't know, doesn't... Steph is um in the coast at the moment and is you know in sunshine and beautiful weather, and I am in Goulburn, which is not too far from where you are normally, and it's sunny, but it's not coastal by any means. So but,
1: certainly you know. not from territory.
0: <laughs> no, not at all.
1: Oh gosh, that just totally distracted me. I was like, my <laughs> God, what is going on? Oh, yeah. Um, anyway, sorry. No, <laughs> I that's my train okay. of
0: completely. You know, we were just talking about, you know, we will learn things as they come up and things like that, but it doesn't necessarily <clears> be <throat> done right away in the moment. There is, you know, there is always, I think pace is really important in Absolutely. Therapy. And everybody Mm -hmm. works at a different pace. But I think if you're not working at a pace that is comfy, for your client, then it's perhaps not going to be the most beneficial.
1: No, difference. certainly you'll you'll notice you'll yeah. notice backlash. You know, yeah. you, um, another concept with ifs is that parts will backlash if you go too fast, too quickly, and go yeah. straight. Try and go straight for the wound, yeah. then there there will be, like we said earlier, those defences will go into overdrive, and there will be backlash. I
0: mean, it's funny because I always uh, like my therapist will say to me. I always know that I've hit a spot if, if you swear at me, (laughs) because like, (laughs) that's like that automatic reaction. And I tend to say the same things with my clients, you know, if Mm. you want to piss off or in other certain terms, you know, that's when I know. All right, we're, we're at something good here, where it's some juicy stuff. Like mm. and mm. and that's when you sort of have to work out, well, at what pace do we take this now? Because you know, you can go in too hard too fast and it does more damage.
1: And more often than not, they day. don't come back. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's that's the big risk is that yeah. you get too close and they don't come back and, and All you can hope is that they've had some positive experience of therapy that may in time get them, you know, back into the therapeutic room, if not with you, hopefully with somebody else. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. If
0: somebody is listening to this and they're like, this sounds really, really great, what do you Mm -hmm. want to know about potentially seeking out therapy using this modality?
1: Okay. So looking for somebody who's IFS trained, there isn't a directory. There's an Australian yep. directory. If you look up IFS Institute Australia, that has the uh, relevant qualified practitioners listed, including myself. It is, you know, like most therapy and, and in the mental health world, generally at the moment, it's hard to get in some practitioners. The benefit is though, it doesn't have to be face-to-face. So my, my own therapist is in Melbourne. I've Never met her in person.
0: Yeah, there's something about (laughs) Um, Victorian. Have got great therapists.
1: They do, Uh, do, absolutely. And you know, look, I, I would really say that if you if you feel it like you need to be in the room with someone, if there's if maybe your home environment isn't safe enough or secure enough or you know quiet enough, maybe there's frogs around. Sorry, I I I shouldn't be uh, facetious. I'm talking about something serious. You know that being in the room, you know, knowing that you want to be in the room with someone, but also knowing that you don't have to be all the time. You know, that's one thing that COVID has taught us all. You know, a lot of my clients, I work in a hybrid way now, so they may come in face-to-face Or on the morning of their appointment, they may message me and say, oh, can we do it online today? You know, there are some practitioners who work solely online and a lot of IFS practitioners do. The other thing about IFS, which I particularly love, is that it's a global community. There are practitioners who are trained all over the world. Certainly one of my supervisors is, you know, she's in the States so so I work with her very early in the morning and and in the evening for her that's incredible and I'm learning so much from her. I know of practitioners whose whose counselors are actually US based or somewhere else and that's you know like the just the depth and wealth of experience that comes with that global community is incredible. Yeah, I think I don't know if I've answered the question really directly, okay. probably more indirectly, <laughs> <That's> but yeah. <laughs>
0: I mean, I think at the heart of it is I guess what was the inspiration for this podcast, which is getting people to land in the rooms, whether they be physical or virtual, who are going to be able to support them in whatever it is that they're experiencing, whether it be a particular, you know, a particular presentation or a particular modality. I think it's about being able to find the right person, not just the most convenient person because their location lucky. Mm. There are a lot of people out there who don't even have therapists in the town that they live in. And so Mm. I think at, at the core of it, it's finding somebody who is relatable, relevant that you can build that relationship with so that you're in the right room, whether it be physical or virtual.
1: Um, Yeah, it's so true. Yeah.
0: My favourite moment of every episode is where we get to smash a myth.
1: Okay.
0: (laughs) So... (laughs) When we're talking about IFS, what is something mm. that people tend to think that's perhaps not quite accurate?
1: I don't know. Like, I think there's certainly a lot of scepticism around IFS, particularly yeah. when you're talking about, you know, sub-personalities or whatever. Yeah. You know, you, you will find that there's people who have incredibly intellectual parts of them and that's, you know, that they've they've developed for very good reason and then may use that intellectualising part to deflect or get away from things. So certainly there's people who don't necessarily believe in it. They can't connect with it. They can't go inside well. In terms of myths though, I'm trying to remember the ones we talked about <laughs> before we started recording. I know that certainly the religious side of it was yeah. one of the things. What was the other one you mentioned? it's Money.
0: very it's very trendy at the moment and That's so it, yeah. I, I think there is this sort of understanding both in the, <laughs> in the therapy world and in the the non therapy world that it is sort of a social fad or it is, is sort of like a trendy therapy that mm. sounds really great in theory but is perhaps not super great in practice
1: Yeah, look, I think in answers to it being trendy, certainly it has taken off. You know, particularly over COVID, it blew up because there was a lot more accessibility with training and everything going online. But it's been around for decades. It's it's been around since the eighties, maybe even earlier can't recall exactly when it's not something new it is something that's definitely evolved and it's sort of branched out and there are many uh, more facets to it now in terms of what I mentioned earlier where it's sort of overlaying connecting with various other modalities and techniques but it's not look I would say this about therapy generally there is no silver bullet when it comes to your mental health it's a lifelong journey it's not something where You know, you do your 10 or 20 sessions and then bang, you're ready to go. You're fine. So, you know, like it is a a modality that's lasted the distance and I think will continue to last the distance. I think certainly um, you're right. There are definitely fads. We mentioned EMDR earlier, but again, EMDR is one where you've got to be specifically trained. You can't just wave your finger a few times. I think the reason it will last the distance is because it does. Not dispel other modalities, it, it builds on them and brings them in and wants to complement them and continues to do so. So, a big area of focus is the psychedelic world, psychedelic treatment, and IFS is 100% in there and growing that space in many ways. And and this can be some incredible outcomes. But, you know, as far as therapy goes, this is, you know, like I've been working with an IFS therapist now for um, I think about two, three years maybe and while I've come forward in leaps and bounds and and I would not say that I'm the same person I was when I started, I know that oh, this is this is the kind of work I will continue to do for the rest of my days to, to my mind just so that I can enjoy the rest of my life and be peaceful in some way, that I can feel some level of healing and um, not be burdened by, you know, painful experiences, be able to, you know, if something shit happened, you know, like I lost my dad a couple of years ago. That was a really difficult time for me. And I've had, you know, the support of my therapist the whole way through. It has activated many parts in me, a lot of them connected with my childhood experience. Um, and they, I now know, show up in many ways across my everyday life and have yeah, you know, at times it's been problematic for me, and now I understand them more, and um, and I can be with that part of me more at different times. Even something simple like going to the dentist. I've had to have some root canal recently. Don't recommend. Um, oh, I
0: was like that triggers something in me. Dent- <laughs> I, I avoid the dentist like it is no tomorrow. It is. Just- oh well, there may be a
1: part it of there because I can cool tell you there was box. there was definitely a part of me that showed up and. And I couldn't figure out why. I couldn't understand why I was like so tense and, you know, freaking out. And then I, this part of me reminded me that when I was young, uh, I would have been about four maybe, I had an abscess on my front tooth. And I, I'm i guessing, I can't remember, and I, my mum's not around anymore for me to be able to ask, but I actually think I was... Put under for a dental procedure to remove the tooth and and that you know there's a part of me that sort of obviously had some kind of trauma around that even if it was fairly innocent showed up again for me when I went to have this root canal and showed up in a big way
0: I mean, and that like, you know, we could go down a completely different path with that in terms of, you know, medical trauma and, and things like that. And that trauma can happen whilst you are under anesthetic and you don't actually have any recollection of it, but your body remembers it. And so it's things like that. So we've sort of, you know, digressing a bit, but there are, there are parts, you know, those parts that we don't even have real sort of. factual understanding Mm. or knowledge of because, you know, we might have been, you know, unconscious at the time or under anesthetic or, you know, something like Mm. that, but um, oh boy, I can definitely relate to the, (laughs) anti-dentistry so I yeah I can I can definitely relate to that before that I
1: was sort of talking about you know the the difficult experience I've had in recent years losing my dad and and the work I've had or the work I've done with my therapist over that time and what that's brought up for me and you know particularly around teenage not teenage but you know, stuff that happened to me across my life, particularly when I was young. Yeah, and, you know, like even simple things like a lot of people, you know, for you, you would find people will sit down and maybe say, oh, look, I don't really remember much of my childhood. I don't have many memories. The beauty of IFS is that you can uncover a lot of that. There will be things that will come come back. There will be, you know, part of the, like if from an IFS perspective, there'd be a a defensive part or a a protective part, blocking access to those memories for for some reason. And it's about understanding and working with that to figure it out. But also I found there have been certain memories that have crept up on me over and over across, across my adult life that I've been like, oh, yeah, yep. I remember that day or oh yeah I remember when that happened and and I might feel a bit of discomfort around that particular memory and then it will sort of pass and then it might come back again or pass or whatever and what I found is sometimes when I've worked with my therapist and I might be deep inside with a doing the insight session and all of a sudden I'll be like oh my god that memory's showing up for me again and it will be connected to something really important and that's been a part of me that's been trying to get my attention all these years to say, this happened when you were younger and this has left an imprint on you that is impacting on you now and in this situation. So it's incredible what, what it can connect with.
0: That made me sort of think, you know, if you are out there and sort of listening to Steph talk very, very beautifully about that process and have that language and those words, if you don't have that, that is okay. You don't need Mm. to have that language, you know. Most of my clients do not sit down and say to me, Sam, I've got religious trauma or, I, you know, things like that. That's not the language that you need to have. You will sometimes learn and that language will be different for you or you'll use different terminology and things like that. Yeah, I think it's really easy sort of listening to therapists talk about their experience in therapy and thinking, I don't have that language. And it's yeah. like don't need to have that language because we are coming at it from a different angle as well. Because yeah. you know, it's at times it can be hard to separate the professional and the personal part of you in a therapy session because you are obviously seeing it from two points of view. The the thing that I f- was forgot about a second ago. <laughs> I remembered. <clears throat> Was that I think you touched on a really great point, which is that the IFS is not new. Like this this is not something that's just come in the last few years. Yes, it might, it's trendy. And and like you said, EMDR is the same. It is also not new. You know, the goal there is a book, it's the gold standard of trauma, which is Bessel's The Body Keeps the Score. And he talks about IFS in that. Yep. and and it is not a book that was released in the last couple of years it was you know he's talking about work that he did decades and decades ago and so I think you know there there can be that cautiousness if something is new and it's fresh and and things like that but I think it's you know it's not fresh it's not new it might no, be, no. It might be being talked about more because you know and it's become more prominent and EMT. I think also yeah
1: certainly I I think you're right that it the, the pattern, I think, for it becoming more prominent was very much that period of time with COVID, particularly yeah. the lockdowns we had here, um, where everyone's mental health was challenged. And in my opinion, it wasn't COVID that did that. It was, you know, well, COVID did in, in a way, but it, <laughs> yeah. COVID wasn't causing the stress. What it, COVID did was it took away everyone's coping strategies and it meant they had mm-hmm. nothing to 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 distract themselves from the distress, um, and I think because a lot of people went online and and obviously social media and stuff, and and certainly uh, pop psychologists on on social media have grown exponentially. And there's people out there talking about their experience. There's some really great qualified practitioners out there putting fabulous content out there. There's other people putting some not so fabulous stuff out there. But you know, like it, it, it has. Yeah, you know, it's definitely been there, been the forefront for that reason. But you know, IFS, particularly in recent years, they've been doing a lot more um, studies to get an em- empirical base to it, so that is very much in that. You know, it can be more mainstream, and it can be that it has that that grounding in research. Um, and it's and it's certainly growing. It is tested. It is a proven technique, and it is known to be. Um, beneficial particularly with trauma which is why Bessel is a big fan yeah it's it's great I did want to just touch on the point you made a moment ago about that you know that the therapists come at it with two two perspectives IFS is incredible for therapists as well in the room because we notice the parts of us that might be activated by someone else's story so I know for me in particular you know like because I work with teens and I work with young adults, that was a difficult period of time for me in my life. Some of the stuff they bring in activates my parts. And, you know, if I've worked with those parts, then I can be okay with it in session. And sometimes it can actually help inform the session with the individual. Um, Other times I need to just sort of say, okay, I'm aware you're there and I'm, I'm aware that you're like really flooding me right now. Can you just soften back so I can focus and trust you know, use myself in this session and then, you know, I will go to my therapist, you know, my next session and say, so I had a session with someone the other day and I noticed this. Let's go. So it's really fantastic in that sense. It is hard though sometimes, you know, to to stop those parts from taking over, particularly if it's a big wound or your own personal wound. But certainly it is a great, there are some great techniques for therapists, you know in that sense. Um, but also like, yeah, absolutely noting your point that, you know, we, we are mapping the client. They don't have to have the language yeah. where they're going. Yep. I, I can see what's going on here. There's bits here and there's bits there. And, and then certainly we can, we can help them understand their experience. Yeah. Fantastic work. I love it.
0: And I think there was sort of, I temporarily forgot that a good portion of your clientele are teenagers. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's, you know, really easy for people to think that these sorts of approaches are, you know, for adults or, I you know, you sort of touched on it very early on family systems sort of thinking that it is mm-hmm. know, therapy and things like that. But I would imagine that this would be incredible for teenagers. Yeah, like, it can be. So, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Look, I think because they are going through a period of time where they're trying to find who they are, yeah. helping like them an exploratory understand. exploratory stage of life. <laughs> exactly right. They're helping yeah. them understand that who they are is there already. Yeah. It's um, it's it's knowing the different parts of them that are that are forming, or maybe taking on different burdens during that time. And one of my my my. IFS supervisor, the one who's in the states, she quite rightly said the other day that you know a lot of people forget that adolescence is supposed to be a time of struggle. It's an identity crisis for a reason. It's a time where they need to fail and make mistakes and learn. And you know we we're so averse to that these days. We want to shelter them from everything and we want them to be perfect. And we're so fearful of suicide and self harm and all of these things. And yeah, rightly so. Like they are. They are difficult things, but they're communication. They're, it's these it's teams trying to tell us that they're struggling with stuff and, and people are, you know, trying to just say, just smooth it over. No, everything will be fine. Just keep going. Just keep going. You'll be right. And so IFES is great and it's such a privilege to work with teams Um, And young adults, I like working with young adults as well because it's such an important life phase transition and it's such an honour and privilege to witness them connecting with themselves and not abandoning themselves to be able to fit in or to meet other people's expectations, but to really come into themselves and know who they are and be okay about that. It's amazing work. I love it.
0: I can only imagine, you know, I'm just sort of thinking about my own life. I can only imagine what it would have done to have somebody who worked from that perspective in your world at that age, essentially telling you, you know, you are not broken like this. Mm. You are not somebody that needs to be fixed. You are not, you know, yeah, broken is the only thing that's sort of coming to mind. And Mm. so even just that notion on its own, uh, you know, aside from anything else in, in that, to have somebody instill that in you and to help you see that, you know, you are not a toy that needs to be fixed. Yeah, um, is is incredibly powerful.
1: So absolutely, um, yeah. Look, i I love, I love being able to um say to them, you know, who you are is awesome. Yeah, yeah. I, I really like who you are. I can hear that you. There are parts of you you don't like, and there are parts of you that other people are telling you you shouldn't have. But I, I can see. I, I have a good sense of who you are based on what you're you're bringing here, and um, and I think you're cool.
0: Yeah, I love that. I
1: think it's yeah.
0: a really great way to end. To be honest, is to just remind <laughs> people that you are pretty cool the way that you are
1: yeah uh, I think yeah
0: 100% if I think if somebody can go to therapy and they walk away with that notion I that's that's good enough for me that's you know that's mm. an incredible way to start so thanks for chatting
1: oh thank you so much it's I've enjoyed so this good. yeah it's been, been lovely great. yeah and I i I really, I feel great to be able to um, advocate and represent the sure. IFS world because, yeah, I really, I really am privileged to be trained because, as I said, it is so hard to get into the training these days, and there's you know great people here in Australia that are um, that are you know do, working really hard. Um, Simon's um, the Head of IFS Australia here and he's doing some really hard work to try and keep up with the the demand and um and his staff and all his all the practitioners who work um, in that training space is so incredible. So yeah, really um really honored to be able to talk about it and I hope I've done it justice.
0: Absolutely. I think it's been great. I think the to be honest, I think the more we can move towards um a Less fix, more understand. That sort of premise. I think the more mm-hmm. we can move towards that, generally, is is the direction that I want to be going. So I yeah,
1: think likewise.
0: Mental health for too long has been about fixing and not about understanding. And I think the more that we can move away from that mentality and that language, I think the more the more growth and the more healing will actually happen. So I hundred
1: percent agree with you there. Look, I really I. I really want us to move away from a pathologizing approach yeah. to mental health and and really show some compassion and stop making people feel like they're wrong or that they're a problem and they need to be fixed. Like you said, I, I just think people do so much better when when they are offered compassion, but more importantly, when they can offer themselves compassion.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Steph. Thanks, Steph, that was You're great. Amazing.
1: We hope you enjoyed
0: joining us inside the therapy room. Thanks for listening.